Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the 2022 NFL Mock Draft NFC East Feast. We are back. GVR, I've missed you. So good to see you, my friend. What's going on, man? So happy to be here with y'all today. And I said y'all because CT is in the house from last year's draft special. As always, CT always set, always states the NFL sells hope, and I think we're all buying it. I'm here for it. You know, I couldn't miss out on this episode. We're so happy to have CT back. We had a wonderful uh, draft uh, mock draft episode last season. We had to have him back. He's our draft expert. He's our Bucky Brooks. He's our Daniel Jeremiah. George and I are known to spew a little bit of, of uh, bias on this podcast um, when we uh, talk about our team. So uh, CT here is uh, to be non-biased and give us just straight facts on who will be a good fit for all four of these NFC East Feast teams. We've got the New York football giants with two picks in the first round as well as the Philadelphia Eagles with two picks as well. The Eagles were supposed to have three first-round picks. They made a trade with the Saints, so they pick up an extra pick next year. But we still got two East teams picking high. And we've got uh, George's Washington Commanders with two picks today and my Dallas Cowboys with two picks as well. Um, So we're just going to dive into the draft here in just a minute. But, George, um, I did the Freezing Frenzy solo. So I wanted to get your opinion, my friend on Commander Carson and how you feel before the draft on where the Washington franchise stands as a whole. You know what? I feel okay about it. I feel like Carson's, uh, what it showed, you know, showed some promise with Indianapolis, obviously, uh, kind of stuck his head in the dirt in the, in the game before the playoffs, you know, but it, 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 you know, it's going to happen. Carson, obviously, he had some of the worst played football I've seen in quite some time when he's last year's with Philly. I don't know if that was all him. I don't know if it was the, you know, the skill set of the receivers or what have you. But I think Carson isn't necessarily the long term solution for the Washington Commanders. But I do see him being a good fit if we surround him with good players like Antonio Gibson, like Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel being healthy. I think these are key pieces that have to be here. Carson Wentz cannot create anything by himself. He's not that kind of quarterback, uh, but I am excited to see how he, you know, how he does in that locker room. I'm excited to have him back in the NFC East, man. I mean, I just love how uh, on our intro last year, we were like kind of kicking ourselves that we never took him off the intro. But what do you know? He comes back to us. Um, and I, I think that you have a valid point about his struggles in Philadelphia. But think about this, George. Uh, you're a pizza guy, okay? If you mm-hmm. had to show up to your pizza gig every day and look at a statue of Papa John, a, a big, successful pizza mogul, you'd probably you'd not feel so good about yourself. This man had to walk into work every day and see a statue of Nick Foles, a former backup of his, who won a Super Bowl. I think he's ah. a little bit fragile mentally and physically, but I believe that another fresh start is going to do him some good. And as I said in the free agent frenzy, I'm expecting good things from Commander Carson. Yeah, I'd like to see to you got a take on that. I'm just curious. Well, I got to start by asking, did you guys keep McKissick? Yes, yeah. we did resign McKissick. Yeah, that was a big that was a big plus for us. Absolutely. So that that's another weapon. Logan Thomas is still on the roster, correct? Yeah, 100% coming back from okay, so if, if, you look at, if you look at the 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 core right there, it's it's not bad because McKissick and Gibson kind of give you that Receiver out of the backfield threat. Uh, McKissick, you kind of line up in the slot. Gibson has shown flashes to be able to do something similar with that. Yeah, yeah, he's not necessarily just a running back. He he can do a lot out of the passing game as well. Uh, If Carson has protection, I feel like that's when the 
the flashes shown obviously in Philadelphia that year when they made the run and he was supposed to be the MVP. They had a great offensive line, probably one of the better offensive lines in recent history. Um, Last year with the Colts, when their offensive line, which is a very good offensive line is, was healthy. They were also doing well as a Titans fan, like Carson Wentz scared me at times, but as the Colts got injured, Carson started to struggle. So George, your point of, Carson isn't a guy who can create on his own. He needs protection. But most quarterbacks, there's 32 guys who play in the NFL, the quarterback position. Most of them need a running game. Most of them need weapons. And most of them need an offensive line of protection in front of them. I think Carson wins for, what, a third-round pick? You're not going to get that out of the draft this year. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz is better than most of the quarterbacks coming out this year with the exception of maybe – Maybe with the potential of a Kenny Pickett, maybe a Desmond Ritter. Other than that, Carson Wentz is better than all those guys. And honestly, real quick, B, and I and I know you got some other things to cover, but yeah. this is a great segue into this year's draft class. Okay. Prior to the pod, we all discussed, and CT most notably said that this year's draft class he is not excited about whatsoever. He said there might be 13, 14 picks that are first rounders, uh, but he does not grade anyone particularly high after that. Now, CT, why, why, let's just, why do you say that? I just feel like with the extra COVID year that players got in college, I feel like the amount of players who came out last year, underclassmen because of COVID. I mean, Ooh. if you're, 20 years old and you're a sophomore in college or redshirt sophomore, would you have came out last year? Or would you have came back for another year? Not knowing really like it's kind of uncertain. Like what's my career going to be like if you played in the uh, Pac-12 last year, I think you played six games. Like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go make my money. And then you put in the NIL like guys, it's, it's college football is a little bit shaky. So I feel like you had a lot of guys come out last year. I feel like you had a lot of guys who, might stick around and that means next year's draft might be a little bit more talented but yeah I, I would say after like 13 is probably a good number to say guys who are solid first round picks and I'd say a half of that is off offensive linemen and I think you could also get offensive linemen later in the draft but edge rusher I like that I, I I think and and to get back to you B Wills I think CT has a good point about COVID so let me ask you uh with transitioning to the NFL do you think that allowed a few guys that wouldn't necessarily declare to the draft to to immediately get to the draft do you think that's definitely a possibility for sure. I think the COVID point is a good one because you did not lose a year of eligibility. So, you know, most most guys who uh, at one point would be considered super seniors, they're still coming back for their junior year and they got a free eight games th- the previous season. You know, um, and, and I think that's a big benefit to a lot of these prospects. Uh, but to speak to CT's point, um, this draft class may be a bit overhyped. And I think that a team like the New York Giants, who have two selections in the top seven picks of this draft, that is a team who has extreme capital. If we were looking at like, like my Cowboys, we got pick number 24. There might not be 24 first round grades in this draft. So if you're looking as a Giants fan, you're getting two of these top seven guys. I think the draft still has immense talent. It may be top heavy, but I think the Giants are um, are in a great position. And the Eagles, um, with two picks in the first round, are in a good spot. Of course, the Commanders sitting at number 11 are going to get um, a quality prospect as well. But I think this may have been a good year to suck in the NFL. No, I, I, I kind of agree. And I don't want to bring it to this topic necessarily, but it got me thinking about it. And I'm like, I wonder, is that why they started paying college players? Because they knew it was eventually going to be the temptation to leave because of COVID and that would kind of streamline them to all leave early and not wait and just eventually. And do you think that COVID had anything to do with players getting play, paid in, in college at all? I think that COVID-19 changed the world and we won't get into the conspiracy theories of that, but I believe that a thought Maybe I never had before, George, it. but you yeah, just planted yeah. it in my head as a perhaps the NIL which has been talked about for years. This is, this of course, is something that came of course, out of nowhere. Let's be real. It wasn't necessarily about the kids getting paid anymore. I think it was more about the fear of them all leaving so early. Yeah. All no. the times and, and then that game suffering. 
I believe the NCAA has been in in fear of their college athletes finally standing up for themselves and getting what's been rightfully theirs for years. And perhaps a global pandemic is what was needed to make this finally happen. But yes, it is certainly going to change the landscape of college football. And perhaps this is the trickle down effect or trickle up, if you will, of it affecting the NFL as well. So, you know, we'll see this. This is the first draft post college players getting paid. And if it's not as deep as, as we had all hoped or, or as, or as the NFL network and ESPN are all selling us as good as, as it is, um, only time will tell. And as these prospects, um, begin to age before our eyes, we'll, we'll see if they are as good as these experts are saying, or maybe CT has a point. And, um, we're looking at a lot of potential first round busts. We're full of hot takes today, guys. Yeah. Full scorching, of hot takes. Scorching hot. <laughs> uh, before we get into the draft, um, just something that has happened that I think is relevant to not only the introduction of this podcast, but every NFC East fan. I just wanted to take like a five second moment of silence um, to pray for Dwayne Haskins and his family. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate that. It's just such a tragedy, man. Um, it doesn't matter if Dwayne Haskins was uh, the greatest quarterback in the world or if he was a guy struggling to stay in the league. He was a 24-year-old man who was a husband and a father and a son, and I just wanted to um, d- just pay him those respects that he deserves. So prayers to the Haskins family. Um, but guys, I don't know if you heard it, but... The pick is in, and we are going to start with this 2022 NFL mock draft. The New York Giants are on the clock, and the selection is in. With the fifth overall pick, the New York football Giants select Iki Ekwanu, offensive lineman from NC State. Uh, fans of the Giants, you can look over to your other team inside that city and look at the Jets pick with Makai Becton. This is a big boy, similar to Becton, body mover, gap scheme, zone scheme, doesn't matter, pass protection, needs work. This guy's a fucking tank. <laughs> this guy is a tank. Uh, I just think that it doesn't matter if you want to put him at guard. You want to, In the giant situation, you're going to put him at tackle. Uh, Daniel Jones needs some protection. Obviously, he'll play right side. Um, but again, if it doesn't work out, you slide him inside. And he's just – he is just a unit, a, a, a man – child when it comes to playing the offensive line position george you played tight end in high school so you know what it's like to be able to like block somebody reach somebody which you were probably one of the better players i've ever seen at reach blocks this guy makes it look effortless he's got very long arms and once he kind of shields you off like it's a wrap like if you go up against icky you just kind of you're gonna chalk up an l for your whole game so i think it's a really solid pick for the giants um, like I said, the only concern, and it's not even that bad, would be his pass protection at times. It just needs coaching. And in and, and college football, you're never in a three-point stance if you're an offensive lineman. You got, you know, you're, it's more finesse. But uh, he, he's he got potential number one overall pick written all over him. In this mock draft I did, the way it landed out is that he fell to the fifth pick, which if I'm a Giants fan or if I'm in the front office for the Giants, he's on the board. I'm sprinting up and I'm handing that card in. I think this is an absolute home run if uh, Joe Shane, I believe, is the new uh, general manager for the Giants, can land uh, a man they call Icky. Um, when I think of Icky, I think of uh, Icky Woods, a former Bengals running back. You may have seen uh, Joe Mixon pay homage to him in their playoff run. But Icky is a stud. Um, a couple years ago, I was talking about how big of a bust I thought Andrew Thomas was. They took him in the top five out of Georgia. Andrew Thomas has actually developed into a nice offensive lineman. So if you can yeah. pair, if you pair mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas with Icky, I think Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball in particular have some protection on what could be suddenly a potent offense. George, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I, I, you know, I think pass blocking is a must in New York. Um, now, I'm not sure. I, I haven't watched Icky a ton, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he can't sink his hips, if he's got heavy feet. Um, I don't know specifically, and maybe CT can get into that, but 
I, I think pass blocking uh, both on – I wish – I don't know if he could switch to, to left tackle if he needs to. You're saying he goes from right tackle to interior. Um, is he heavy more so on the on the run blocking CT with zone schemes and him and the tight end working together and dropping into linebackers and what have you? I When I say that he struggles in pass blocking, I think a lot of it comes from – at NC State, I don't think he played – back-to-back years in the same position on the offensive line. So to kind of uh, draw a comparison for myself, I played like left guard until I was a senior and they swung me out to left tackle. And then like after three games, I had to go back into guard. It's a different thing. You have much more space on the outside. So to not have that compact phone booth that you're working in to then all of a sudden I have somebody who has ample amount of room on the outside to kind of work some stuff, take a little bit of a a deeper rush, things like that. It becomes a little bit harder. So his pass block struggle showed up when he slid out to tackle. But again, if you put him on the right side where you're going to get chips from your tight end, you're going to get help from uh, like down blocking is one of his, if you, well, I can see that anybody who wants to just, who's watching or listening to this, if you go on YouTube and you just type in his highlights, which offensive linemen don't have highlights, this guy has a highlight tape. He moves people out of the way, but it looks easy. Like it looks effortless. Um, And competition though, man, ACC competition. I know we got to get to the next pick. It might be in here shortly, but the competition in the ACC is not the same as we know in a lot of the other divisions. Yeah. I mean, it's, but at the same time, like if you look at, uh, all right. So the big, the big ten or the big twelve doesn't play defense, right? You guys drafted or the skins drafted. I don't care if it's not the skins anymore. Cancel me. The skins, <laughs> yes. the, the skins drafted Sam Cosby, and like Sam Cosby's like thing was like, oh, like he I struggles with this. He struggles with that. Yeah, I called it in the pod last year. No big deal. But anyway, <laughs> he didn't play against elite elite defensive players over the big twelve. But yet he comes to the NFL and he has success early. He, like very did, well for us. he, he did, did pretty good. He He's probably yeah. going to be a starter this year. So sure. at yeah. the end of the day, like it's if my ability is there, my ability is there as a player. If I can do things, it doesn't matter what I go against. Um, I mean, look at some of these players that get drafted. Uh, you know, Josh Allen played at Wyoming. Josh Allen's top three quarterback in the NFL right now. Played at Wyoming. He's a stud. The competition has a lot to do with it, but at the same time, like if I'm just that good at moving people around as an offensive lineman, I don't give a fuck who you put in front of me. Like, can I impose my will on you? Yes. End of story. Facts. One last point before we move on to the next pick. Don't forget the New York Giants signed Mark Lewinsky and John Feliciano, two quality picks um, in the free agent frenzy. And uh, if the Giants can pair them up, this is going to be scary. I just want to say one more thing. If you look at Brian Dable when he coached for the Bills, if you look at the just the size of that offensive line that he had with the Bills, Icky fits that mold perfectly. But onward. And what do you know? The next pick in the NFC East will also be made by the Giants. And with the seventh selection in the 2022 NFL Draft, Jermaine Johnson edge rusher out of FSU. This is one of the picks where I'll say last year maybe goes in the 20s. This year he's getting shot up the boards. Um, Jermaine Johnson played defensive end or edge rusher for Florida State. He originally played his beginning of his college career at Georgia. Georgia's going to have six first-round picks this year, so he transfers out, goes to shitty-ass FSU. No offense to somebody, but also they are shit. Um, And he has productive hand usage is great, but really what's kind of skyrocketing with the boards is he goes to the senior bowl over in mobile Alabama and he literally puts on a clinic. And like, I was impressed. I watched a lot of the film, a lot of the football network showed a lot of that kind of stuff. His hands are really good. He's got very good athleticism. He's got bend. He's got strength. So he wins in a lot of different ways. If I'm the giants, my two picks, which I gave you, were offensive line and edge rusher. Like, how do I go get to Dak Prescott? How do I go get to Carson Wentz? 
how do how do I affect the game the most? And it's up front. And so the Giants, their two biggest needs are offensive line and pass rush, and they nail it with these two picks, in my opinion. What wins in this league? You do two things. You protect your quarterback and you get after yours. And that's what I see uh, CT mocking to the Giants. Jermaine Johnson, he flashed um, on, on film to me, but at the same time, I got to be honest, the only film I saw of him were highlights after the Senior Bowl. Not a guy I kept up with during the year, but the last time I thought there was a Florida State defensive lineman that was overdrafted was Brian Burns a couple years ago when Carolina took him pretty high. And he's been a stud since he came in the NFL. So I think this this is a good fit. Doesn't matter if it's Jermaine Johnson or juxtapose maybe a, a kid like uh, Calafatis uh, from, I believe, Purdue or um, Thibodeau from Oregon. If, if the Giants can improve, improve that pass rush to go along with Dexter Lawrence and the big cat uh, Williams, that's going to be pretty formidable. George, what do you think about this one? I like the cat, man. I'll be honest with you. I mean, he he can really get around the edge. Uh, for the tape that I've watched him, it's not necessarily he's going head up uh, with, a, with a large left tackle or right tackle. He kind of skirts around the outside really well. He's got a really, really good motor. Um, I think, you know, I think he was all ACC, all American, all the accolades. Guy had 12 sacks last year. You wow. saw that you said that you didn't see much out of him. The guy had 12 sacks. That's my um, bad. So, so no, no, CT said the same thing. I think we overlook and I think we avoid watching Florida State play football at all costs, but we can't forget about this guy putting work in. You're absolutely right. And we apologize to John Warman and his stepbrother Max. It's all love to FSU, but you know, all of our Florida schools are struggling. Uh, but I believe the I believe the first pick in the Washington Commanders era is in, and with the number eleven selection, the Washington franchise selects Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. I just want to start by saying, if anybody watches NFL Network, ESPN, reads mock drafts, anybody who says that this guy is Mike Evans. Ignore that. Mike, <laughs> Evan, Mike Evans is Mike Evans. And I don't know anybody who has been like Mike Evans, and there will never be anybody who is Mike Evans. I don't even – I don't like the Bucks. I don't give a fuck about the Bucks. Mike <laughs> Evans is a stud, and he is one of one. So that's like comparing somebody to, in my opinion, Randy Moss or Jerry Rice or like the guys putting up a 1,000 yards receiver – 1,000 yards receiving every year since he's been in the league. But Drake London has similar qualities. If you want to look at a better comparison – you would think Alshon Jeffrey with a little bit better athleticism or Michael Pittman for the Colts, better athleticism. He has a little bit of wiggle once he gets the ball in his hands. And I think for the commanders or the Redskins or the football team or whatever you want to call them, it is the absolute best compliment to Terry McLaurin, as we call him, Scary Terry. High points the football better than anybody I've seen in probably the last two to three football drafts. So... I'm a big fan of this guy. I I really think that with him and Carson Wentz and the weapons that we already talked about previously that that Washington has, like it's just it's just insert, it's plug and play, and that's what you need with an 11th overall pick. You know, I don't want a guy who have to like kind of work in. I want a guy who shows up and plays ball. I George, like it. I, this is your I, pick, I, man. The floor is yours. Yeah, man, I, I like Drake London a lot. You know, uh, back in the day, the the tandem, you know, between Santana Moss and Pierre Garcon, I could see a lot of similarities here. I, I think Terry might even be a, a little bit of a better route runner than Santana was. So I, I'd be excited to see them both uh, working together with, with Drake London out of USC, man. The guy, again, you, you said he high points the ball, you know, guys like that that can catch the ball in coverage. There's not a ton of them in the league, man. And, and to have someone like that, very similar to Scary Terry, where you can high point the, the ball in a, in a crowded area, um, it's, it's huge for a football club. It's, it's huge for Carson Wentz getting his confidence up uh, for those, those, you know, those jump balls. And uh, I, I, I do like the pick. I think that we, we have a lot of issues in other position groups, um, interior linemen. We've lost Matt Ioannidis. We've, we've lost, you know, some others as Tim well. Settle. And Tim Settle. 
So I, 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 w I could see an interior defensive lineman here to help that new Jamin Davis, you know, Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb to run around the field a little bit. I, I could see him going uh, up in the draft with interior D line, but I, I, I can't, you can't go wrong with this pick as CT said. And I'm, ex I'm excited. I will say this. I don't disagree with you with the interior defensive line. Unfortunately for your club, Interior defensive line, just like last year, is not a strong class. There, there's not a lot of talent. I know we talked about Jordan Davis. I'm not a huge fan. Yes, he killed the combine. Yes, he's got flash plays. But the guy rarely played on third down, and that's when you make your money. That's when franchises and good defenses make their money is on third down. You get the fuck off the field. Yeah. So yeah. Jordan Davis – Hey, in a perfect world, yeah, maybe trade him or trade back and go get him. But with uh, Drake Drake London and you put in Logan Thomas, the one thing I, I feel like this will make Carson better is in the red zone, defenses are going to have problems. Problems covering that uh, jump ball, yeah. those quick passes, Carson Wentz is not by any means like a scrub when it comes to arm talent. So he can throw the back shoulder. He can throw like a, an easily. How tall is Drake London? Drake London's about 6'4". And wow, he probably okay. weighs about yeah. 215 pounds. Big kid. He, unfortunately, he got hurt later in the year. So he didn't perform at a combine. He didn't do a pro day. If I were to take a guess, he's going to run like a mid 4'5". His vertical doesn't matter it's just out of the it's out of the gym he's just a, a his talent doesn't show up a lot in the draft it's it's one of those things where like oh like yeah he can high point a football but he can't run anything other than a go route or a back shoulder like no i've seen this guy run drag routes and make three guys miss when he catches the ball in space Guys don't bring him down he doesn't go down after contact he's got very good uh body control and Something I always talk about with running backs is balance, like contact balance. When you hit Drake London, like it, you don't see him take the hit. Like he gives out the hit. Oh, so God. it allows him to keep kind of getting those extra yards. If you want to think of somebody, I don't want to brag about my guy, but A.J. Brown. When A.J. Brown gets the ball in his hands, like he kind of turns into that running back. He puts out pain. He puts out those extra yards. Drake London brings that to the table, and I think that's something that – you won't hear about Drake London through. But I will say, bro, I'm sorry. Right as now. a as a Redskins fan and now as a Commander fan, I am terrified of the new twenty two Josh Doxon. So, as we all know, <laughs> might be one of the biggest busts ever. Yeah, and I am terrified of that happening. Well, George, George first of all, first of all, <laughs> Drake London. Is not Josh Dotson. <laughs> Thank God. That's, I'm just saying, dude. I, I understand. You like Josh Dotson, by the way, CT. Don't even lie. When he was coming out of the draft, I, I did, was but I was I was young and I was very green in my <laughs> football draft analysis. Do not ever say that Drake London. You would be the same person then to say that Drake London's Mike Evans. If you want to say that you're worried about him being Josh Dotson, you are that person. So Mel Kuyper, why don't you chirp down over there? I don't want to hear that. I want to talk. About about for a second what terrifies me as an opposing defense is going to go up against the commanders uh twice next season it is third and seven and my very average defense other than micah parsons is staring down the barrel of having terry mclaurin and logan thomas on one side drake london curtis samuel on the other side and wait i've got JD McKissick coming out of the backfield. Yeah, I think that's a hyped up B. Oh, I think that's, that's a goosebumps with that. I think yeah, that is a honestly. problem for not only yeah. the NFC East, I think it is a problem for the entire NFL. We won't get into it right now. Maybe we'll touch on it in the second round. I do question the five guys that will be blocking your fragile quarterback. But and I do health, think and the health of those skilled players. That, yes. That yeah, the, yeah, yeah, health is wealth, and, and we're worried about Curtis Samuel's health. Uh but if, if all those guys are healthy and Carson Wentz is upright, I think this could be a potential potent offense. Um, but I believe the next pick is in. And these next two picks will be both be made by Philadelphia. Uh, but their first pick will be number 15. And with the 15th overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, 
Philadelphia Eagles select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. This guy had some buzz going into the draft, but then he went to the combine and he ran a 4.38. He's about 5'11, probably a buck 85, maybe a buck 90 at playing weight. The one thing that stands out with Garrett Wilson would be his body control, whether it's a tunnel screen, bubble screen, quick slant, whatever route you want to give him. If the ball's not accurate, which we know that Jalen Hurts is not the most accurate guy, <laughs> I still am a fan of him. Garrett Wilson's going to come down with the football. So he's got a vertical, but he also breaks tackles. If you want to think of like sometimes you've got a couple receivers in the league, and this is very high praised. I'm not saying that this guy is going to be those guys. It's DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. Sometimes the way they move their body, it's almost like Gumby where they can kind of contort themselves or their stem at the top of the route or their release. It's very fluid, but it also kind of it's like, well, I can't move like that. So how the hell do they do that? That's That's what Garrett Wilson reminds me of. Great after the catch which is very similar to Drake London. Again, the guys who can make things happen. Can you catch a quick slant and turn it up for 17 yards? That's what the NFL wants. They don't want the guys who can just burn down the field anymore. Garrett Wilson brings everything you want out of the wide receiver position, whether you put him in the slot, whether you put him outside, the Z, the X, is he a move guy? He can do whatever you want. So it fits what Philly has. When you put him up with uh, Devontae Smith, now, listen, the, the Eagles have been trying to figure out the wide receiver position now for a few drafts. Jalen Rager, I don't even yeah, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know what Jalen Rager is doing right now. I <laughs> hope he's still on the roster. He might not be on the roster. He's probably chilling with Josh Dotson, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. he, he might be chilling with Josh Dotson. That's a good point. I don't know. Is Josh Dotson, where's he at? We don't know. These are all questions I don't know. What I do know is that I think Garrett Wilson, um, in a – Draft a couple years ago where you had Scary Terry, DK DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown. I think Garrett Wilson might have been like a second round pick with those guys, but those guys were all second round picks. And now look at them; they're studs. So the draft, Scary Terry, bro, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The draft is pushing players up that I don't think are that good, but I do think that Garrett Wilson, in time, maybe a year, maybe two years. He's going to be one of those guys where you draft him early in fantasy and he's doing highlight tapes and he's on Good Morning Football or whatever that show is called, <laughs> doing interviews with Kay Adams, who's an absolute smoke show. And it's great. We're, we're going we're gonna to enjoy it. But right now, the question's out there. Is he worth the 15th overall pick? Maybe. Maybe he's not. But what I do know is when the ball's in his hand, he makes things happen. And that's what the Eagles really need right now. George, Garrett Wilson is a guy who I've mentioned to you about possibly the commanders um, getting at number 11. And I, I don't know if he's worthy of that number 11 pick. I think that may be me just getting cute. Um, I love that he's from Ohio State. So um, was Terry McLaurin once upon a time, as was Curtis Samuel. So, I mean, they're kind of like the new wide receiver you. If you look at another kid that's going to probably draft in the first round, Chris Olave. And they have another kid who's still in college, Jackson Smith in Jigba, who I think went for like 300 yards in a game last year. So they're just a factory um, over there in Ohio. But this is I think this kid's a playmaker, whether he ends up um, in Washington, Philadelphia or somewhere outside of our division. I think that he um, is going to be a quality first round pick. As, as uh, CT said, I, I love his body control. He catches those back shoulder fades, which um, I think Jalen Hurts, he needs a receiver like that. Um, Devontae Smith does a lot of things, but being a big body is certainly not one of them. So I think this could be a great guy to pair up with him. You've got Dallas Goddard. You've got a nice stable of running backs, a decent offensive line. Guys, this is the Philadelphia Eagles team who last year we were literally making jokes about rock, paper, scissors and how my, they, they may be the dumpster fire of the NFL. Guess what? They went to the playoffs and now they were handled by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but very impressive. So I think if this uh, this Eagles front office led by Howie Roseman can get another playmaker for Jalen Hurts, it could just be the, the next step in the progress of this Eagles franchise. How about you, George? I love the pick, man, uh, only because he reminds me exactly of Scary Terry. And, and I like that you had us picking him. But in all honesty, I, I prefer CT's pick because he's more of a complimentary wide receiver as Drake right. London is to Scary Terry. Um, I mean, literally, I looked up his bio, right? And let me see if I can find this. 
I looked at his bio. Garrett Wilson will be an excellent pro. He has elite 4.38 speed, good hands, runs perfect routes, and is a hard worker who gives everything at game time. He, however, does not have elite athletic traits and will be will have to get by with technique on the next level. And that sounds exactly like Scary Terry. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to chime in and there – People might not know who this player is or former player, but Brian Hartline played in the NFL for many years. Oh, yeah, bro. Come on. More, more with, yeah, just straight milk drinker. He's the wide receiver coach for Ohio State University. Brian Hartline made a career out of technique, out of hard work, out of understanding the wide receiver position. If you go back to when he started coaching wide receivers to right now and you want to look at the guys that he put out into the NFL, those guys are killing it right now. So Scary Terry might tell you in a – at a bar one day, if you're drinking after he's done playing, like Brian Hartline made my career. He's the one who showed me how to do all these things. He taught me the nuances of the football game. I, I don't know, think I you're going to go wrong with an Ohio State wide receiver. And I think a lot of the credit should go towards Brian Hartline. And he's a good coach and he understands the game. So um, think about this with a receiver core. You want to build a basketball team. Brian Hartline probably understands that for you guys as a skins fan, George, you got Drake London, who's more of your power forward or that wing guy. And you've got scary Terry. Who's more of a shooting guard. Like you got to put together a basketball squad when it comes to the wide receiver position, everybody's got to kind of play their own role. And I think that when you put Garrett Wilson with Devonte Smith, you have maybe a very good uh, backcourt and maybe they just need another big guy later in the draft. Maybe that happens. Maybe they, Use the big guy as Dallas Goddard. So those, that's just my thought on Garrett Wilson. But wait, there's more. The Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock again. Only three picks later at number 18. The Philadelphia Eagles also select Trent McDuffie, quarterback, University of Washington. Oh, first one off the board, you think? No, he will be the third corner off the board. That's just my opinion. Sauce Gardner, uh, okay. Stingley. But anyway... If you look at some of the guys who have came out of University of Washington to play corner or defensive back, they're kind of churning those guys out like very low key. Byron Murphy and Buda Baker are probably the two that you really want to keep an eye on. Elijah Molden, shout out to the Titans last year, third round pick, great nickel. They play all a very similar style football when it comes to the secondary position. They're going to thrive in a zone scheme, which is really what Philadelphia utilizes. But if you want to just put on some tape and look at Trent McDuffie, where he excels is where he can keep his eyes on the football and his closing speed and his aggressiveness to come up and make a tackle in those zones is possibly the best in the draft right now. Does it have crazy athleticism? Didn't go to the combine or on a four, three, one or jump 42 inches out of the gym. But what you get is technically savvy. If you think of, um, some of the better defenses in the league. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but like a Mike Vrabel would would eat this up. He he wants those kind of guys, the guys who understand the role. Bill Belichick, get him those guys who show up. They play hard nose. It's fundamental. It's no different than any other sport. The fundamentals are the number one thing that come with it. And in the secondary, you got to have those. And I think he's also a culture shifter in that position group where – Sometimes corners are finesse or sometimes they're like, think Dion, very flashy. Trip McDuffie, he doesn't play that kind of game. He shows up, he works hard, he brings his lunch to work every day. And I think it's, it honestly, it's kind of fits like that Philadelphia, the city mindset of a hard nosed, hard worker guy. And uh, I think he's a hell of a football player. Like I'd take him on my team any day. What do you think about this pick, George? The Eagles getting a DB right here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like him. I, I think that, you know, CT made a point to say bring his lunchbox to work every day because the guy is 5'10", 5'11". He's not a 6'2 guy running 4'3 speed. He's got sub-30-inch arms. Um, I'm sure he's a great tackler. As we know, Washington, they'd be on late at night, and let's be real, they've been running out the score for quite a while now. The yeah. guy went 15 and 14, um, but I, I don't know a ton about him. All I can see is is, you know, um, you know, at the cornerback position, he's not necessarily a, uh, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for B. He's not necessarily a, 
Darius Slay, which he doesn't have to be because he's going yes, to be paired correct. with Darius Slay. If you take a kid like Trent McDuffie and pair him with an all-pro like Darius Slay, they lost Steven Nelson to the Texans, so so Philadelphia is uh, is need at, at, at the defensive back position. They did bring back Anthony Harris, who had a nice year coming over from Minnesota at the free safety position. I think Philadelphia, if it's not McDuffie, Maybe um, a kid like Stingley could slide and they can grab him at 15. I sincerely doubt it. But Philadelphia needs to improve. Um, we talked about how the Giants want to protect their quarterback and get after yours. Well, the Eagles want to improve their weapons and take away yours. So I think the picks of Trent McDuffie and Garrett Wilson address two huge needs in Philadelphia. And like I said, a team that we all laughed at last year is building on a playoff season. And uh, these picks, I think, will continue their ascension in the NFL. And I have a quick stat because I want to take a little bit what I just said back. He is allowed the fewest uh, coverage yards last season and 111 yards he gave up last season in coverage. Wow. Yeah. Side note on McDuffie. With the the NFL is lined up like this now for about four or five years now. You play nickel, which is five DBs, more than – any other formation that you're going to line up or whatever you want to call it, sub package on defense, the something that McDuffie can do, which not a lot of guys can do in the coming out of college and just seamlessly work their way in is you can slide McDuffie into the nickel. Like if I, if you want to go look up a player comparison and it's easy comparison, or maybe it's like kind of cheesy, but Byron Murphy maybe played it's easy and cheesy. But yeah, I like. I know you like cheesy pizza. Shout out to Good Days. Pizza. Shout out to Good Days. Fire Pizza. If y'all don't know, look up Good Days Pizza. Give him a follow on IG. Fire Pizza. Trent McDuffie's uh, same school, same coaching scheme was Byron Murphy. He plays for the Arizona Cardinals. What I'm telling you right now, like they are the they are the same player. Hard nose. They work hard. They don't give up yards. And like you got CD Lamb, you got Scary Terry. I don't know what the Giants have. I don't know a lot about the Giants because of that. other than that, Kadarius Tony, there you go. Thank you, Brian. I'm telling you right now, like you got to have those guys who are not afraid to cover those players. McDuffie's that guy. Like he doesn't fit like honey. Badger, like, yeah, they, they don't, they don't get, <laughs> yeah. Jalen Rager. Like you got to go cover the bench. That's what you got to do. Trent McDuffie, you got, you got Jalen Rager. He's like, wait, coach, am I playing? I don't know. He's locked down, boy. And the final pick of the first round is in, and it is the final pick because my Dallas Cowboys are the defending division champions. And with the 24th selection in the 2022 NFL draft. I got the Dallas Cowboys taking Zion Johnson. He's an interior offensive lineman out of Boston College. I told Brian this earlier. I don't think there's a lot of first round grades on players, but I think... Zion Johnson is 100% one of those players. He is a mauler in the middle. He's very sound in pass protection with technique. Doesn't mean that it's perfect. Struggles a little bit at it, but I think a lot of guys do kind of just struggle at handling the bigger players or the speed that you get out of that interior defensive line position. But Zion Johnson, you can put him at either guard spots. You can put him at center. He's played tackler for Boston College. He went to the Senior Bowl, and a bunch of coaches said, hey, stick around and take some snaps. We want to see you work at center later in the week. Sure, why not? As somebody who's played offensive line, coaches love that shit. They want to see you. Can you? What can you do? Can you? Are you limited to left guard, right guard? Can you play swing tackle? If I get... My tackle pops PDs and all of a sudden he can't play for six games. Like, can you fill in for him? Like, it's Zion Johnson fills that void that you've kind of lost. It doesn't, I don't think it really matters what position you put him at. You guys lost Connor Williams. You could slide this guy into that position. Travis Frederick, been gone now for what, two years, two yep. seasons? Slide him at center. I think he can play there. If you need to put him in a pinch at tackle, I think he kind of fills that void. That's why I would say he's a, a first round talent based off of his ability, but it's uh it's definitely a position that you don't want your team to pick in the first round. But 
the easiest way to get to a quarterback is through the B gap and the A gap. And if this guy's going to lock those down, like that's just protection for Dak. How about them Cowboys? George, I love, love, love this pick. As CT said, we lost Connor Williams to the Dolphins. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, Connor. But move in Zion Johnson. I immediately want you starting as my left guard. Tyler Biotish, our center who replaced Travis Frederick, has been below average. So, as CT said, I hope the O-line coach give him some snaps there as well. We lose Lyle Collins to the Bengals. Shoot him out at right tackle. Guess what? Tyron Smith, you're going to get hurt at least three or four times throughout the year. Let's set a new record and play Zion Johnson at five different positions in his rookie season. This is what I want, George. I want versatility. I lost my best wide receiver, Amari Cooper. I lost two starting offensive linemen. My running back gets older and fatter by the minute. I need to protect my $160 million investment in Dakota Rain Prescott. I think Zion Johnson does that. I'm going to give it an A. How about you, my partner? Yeah, man, I think it's a, it's an easy pick for you guys. I think he's an immediate starter. Um, you know, the run game has struggled. Uh, it's kind of hot and cold for the boys, you know, and I think it had a lot to do with injuries and, and, you know, hopefully your health is a lot better this year. And, and I think your center just had a full year healthy, uh, fairly new. What's the guy's name over that center right now? Another Biotish. Biotish. So he, I, I believe at the end of the year, he was, he was running pretty strong with the O-line. So to get the camaraderie, as CT knows, with the offensive lineman is huge. And uh, I think it's a it's a great move here. I think he's, uh, you know, being a quick guard, I'm sure he's going to pull a ton. And I, I think it's it's going to be good for that that staff as a whole. Oh, yeah. The one thing I will say is drafting or mocking for the Cowboys is tough because – like, what does Jerry want to do is what I think in my head. And then, like, yeah. everybody else in the front office is like, Jerry, you, you need to go to bed, buddy. It's your bedtime. And so, like, while Jerry naps, they, like, kind of send the pick in. So, like, I, it's it's tougher. Last year, I never would have bet that they would have taken Micah Parsons. I had Micah Parsons maybe going to the Giants last you year. Did. I could be wrong. You did. Um, the year before, like, I didn't see them taking C.D. Lamb because they had Amari Cooper. And <clears throat> that didn't work out. So, like, I, I wasn't. It's it's hard to draft for the Cowboys because they kind of take this like best player available slash need slash you know what is what what level of dementia does Jerry Jones have and like then we just kind of make our pick so like it's it's tougher but I think Giant Johnson is just kind of one of those guys you're gonna plug him in you're gonna plug him in plug and play in the first rounds what you need and I love it I, I love the pick for my Dallas Cowboys and uh, the second round. <clears throat> the second rounders upon us, and with the 36th selection in the NFL draft, the New York Giants select Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. We're moving on to the second round, folks. I'm going to make these things brief. Devin Lloyd's going to get mocked in all your drafts, mock drafts in the first round. The one thing I'm going to tell you about Devin Lloyd is he's going to be 25 as a, as a rookie. Oh. I do not, I'm not a fan of that. I want my rookies to come in at 22, 23 at the oldest. Like the way we talked about earlier with guys coming out early, like if I'm not getting that guy who's young, I got a second round pick. You're getting four year deal. So this guy is going to finish off his year at 25, maybe 20 or 29, 28. To me, that's not worth a first round pick. First round picks, four years, extra year contract extension. I don't want that in the first round. A little bit too old for my taste. When you put on the tape though, very versatile, very good blitzer. He has lined up on the edge and rushed outside. He was a former safety, converted to linebacker, so he can cover your backs out of the backfield. So, Giants, what do you have to cover out of the backfield in your division? You've got uh, Antonio Gibson. You've got J.D. McKissick. You've got Tony Pollard, who is a very good threat out of the backfield. So, a guy like Devin Lloyd matched those guys one-on-one. One on one. If you look at the tight ends that he's got to cover, it kind of keeps on going. This guy can come in and he can play. My only knock on him is honestly his age. He's a little bit old to be coming out, and that's where that whole COVID thing is. He is super senior, basically, is kind of what he is. Should he came out last year? Probably. Maybe the year before. I'm not sure. So, that's my thoughts on Devin Lloyd. Hell of a football player. Um, but the, the age kind of throws me off. 
CT answered all of my questions for me. To be honest with you, George, um, I was going to ask him uh, because I've seen a lot of mock drafts having Devin Floyd going in the top 20. Why so late? Did not realize um, that this kid was already 25 years old. Do love the things that I've seen and heard about him. And although that the Giants are going to be getting a bit of a stale product coming out of college, I think to pair him with Blake Martinez would be pretty nasty, especially with that that front four they got. Um, so I think this is a good pick for the Giants, but I do understand why he may slip a little bit. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. 25 years old out of college is old. I mean, I wouldn't stuff an AARP card in the guy's locker by any means. Yeah, yeah. But I think that 25 as a linebacker, let's be real, you're good maybe till you're 31, 32. So it, it, you might get four solid years out of this guy. And for somebody to put, you know, that much money in, in uh into a first round pick for a guy that might be in his peak for four years. That's, that's tough to swallow. I agree with that. For sure. Yeah. Like he'll be 25 when during the season, he'll turn 25 at some point during his rookie year. And again, it's not terrible. Cause George bring up a really good point. Like Bobby Wagner just signed with the Rams and he's going to be 32. I think at some point during this year, now, I'm not saying he's Bobby Wagner by any means, <laughs> but at some point you have to think about that whole like, and I'm not a GM and I don't run a football team, but again, if I'm paying you money as a rookie, if I can get someone who's going to be 21 when the season starts or turn 22 when the season's halfway through, I get an extra three years out of you. And if you happen to hit and I send you another four-year contract and you're finishing up your second contract when you're 28 versus I like I said 29 30 like that has a lot to do with maybe I'm wrong I think he slides because of it it's also very deep at linebacker and also linebackers kind of phased out you don't really want to invest too much into a middle linebacker uh in this year in this generation of the NFL yeah I uh, just real quick though I mean the experience the guy's going to have and the maturity the guy's going to get that have out of 25 is you can definitely put that in the pros column. I mean, True. you know, the guy's going to show up to the bus on time. That's a good point. That's a fair point. And the, uh, the commanders are back on the clock. And with the 47th selection, the Washington commanders take. Quay Walker, linebacker out of University of Georgia. So something that you're going to see in this draft is a bunch of dogs are going to come off the board within the first two rounds, definitely within the first three rounds. So going back to the previous pick with the Giants, Quay Walker's younger, very similar size, very similar athleticism. The problem with Quay Walker is he had N'Kobe Dean, as the other linebacker who happened to flash, which I think is possibly the best linebacker in the draft, Nicobe Dean, but Quay Walker, 6'3", 240 pounds, runs a 4'5", has decent coverage skills, but what the Skins need right now in the middle of their defense is somebody who can just go sideline to sideline, as Coach Jurgens would say, like, scrape. Just that guy who can slide through that line, make some tackles in the backfield, stuff the run, and let a guy like Jameen Davis, who probably played a little bit out of position last year, or Cole Holcomb, who's more of the athletic linebacker who can cover the backs, cover the tight ends. You guys need that big guy in the middle to really solidify the run game. I think Quay Walker is a good pick for you guys right now. A lot of people who are listening to this aren't going to be familiar with the name and it's just because Georgia had so many guys that they rotated in every single down at the linebacker position that this guy doesn't have a lot of film for you to watch. You'd actually have to go back and watch a game and pay attention to every snap on defense to see Quay Walker's impact. George? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the pick, and the more I think about it, um, and, you know, me and B did know CT's picks going into this draft, so I have put some thought into this pick specifically. I I didn't love it at first. I was like, oh, you know, we got Jamin Davis, we got Cole Holcomb, this and that, but I'll be real with you. The most tackles I see out of Cole Holcomb are usually four, year t- four yards down the field. 
Right. Now, if we got a guy that can really get beefy in there and cause disruption between the A and B gaps, and we can really fill that void there and let Cole and Jamin kind of run sideline to sideline and, uh, you know, be, get better in pass blocking and things like that, you know, being, being right in front of Cameron Curl, another thumper uh, that got hurt last year, that that would be, could be a great tandem. I do like this pick um, more and more the more I think about it. For sure, man. I mean, al- although you – talked about earlier that there is some depth lost on the defensive line. You still got four first round picks and they're all studs and you still have a little bit of depth in your secondary. So if you can get a thumper like Quay Walker in the middle and like you said, you let the the athleticism of John Davis and Cole Holcomb really come to fruition that Washington defense that was, I believe top in the NFL just two years ago when you guys ran this division could once again ascend. So I think this pick is absolute money for the Washington Commanders. I, I, and so far, I think this draft overall that CT has y'all mocked is a slam dunk. If you're getting a weapon like Drake London and a, a, a defensive piece like Quay Walker, I think that's really going to help you guys. George, one question I wanted to ask you before we get off the Commanders, though, is we're two rounds into this mock draft, and I have yet to see you guys get an offensive lineman. And... You lost Brandon Sheriff, and if I'm wrong, I believe he was your only pro bowler last year. I mean, how are you going to protect the fragile ankles of Carson Wentz? Yeah, and I, I think we kind of alluded that to that earlier in the uh, in the pod and, and getting guys that are skilled around Carson. But let's not forget that offensive line was not only a C-plus line at its best, but we lost Sheriff. We're not healthy. Um, I, I could see us picking up maybe late in the free agency or, or picking someone up late in a trade with somebody in the draft and, and trying to get a tackle. Um, but I could also see Evan Neal maybe being a first round pick. We, we look at, I know he, I think he was mocked to be in, I mean, the number one pick from some people, but I don't see that necessarily happening. Um, I, but I, but I also think we're never – I don't know. Ron doesn't seem too worried about the offensive line for some reason. And, and Ron I trust, and I, I, I'm totally okay with these two picks. But, again, Carson can't get the ball to Drake, Scary, freaking Curtis Samuel, you know, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson. Uh, it, you can't get it out if you can't – you know, if you don't have time to throw the football. So we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll just chime in one more time on this. I honestly, in my heart, believe that the the Redskins or the Commanders or the football team, whatever you want to call these guys nowadays, I think they trade back. I don't think that I don't think they're cool with the eleventh overall pick. Like I feel like if you want to look at their holes where they have them, it's not necessarily like oh I got to go get the I got to go get Drake London or I got to go get insert player at eleven. It's like okay, well I have a solid foundation. Let me accumulate picks and start to kind of build this team. Like Ron Rivera's kind of put the defense together. I know last year they struggled. You guys didn't yeah. have a quarterback, even though I think you're a fan of Heineke for some reason. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I Chase I Young. That's a whole other pot in itself. Is Chase Young? Well, Chase, let's be Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Like, do you want me to keep going? That's just your front well, line. Well, no. But the thing is, CT, is that the the were the, the fan base of the Washington Commanders now. I, the fan base is really worried about Chase Young. The guy played in nine weeks and had one sack. Do you think there's anything to worry about there? Oh. Dude, I mean, again, that's a different pod. But I just. Okay, it's a different pot. You're right. I mean, totally. is Chase yeah. Young, yeah. TJ Watt, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, uh, Demarcus Ware, uh, Javon? Like, he's not these guys that, but he's also probably, you want to talk about age, Chase Young's, what, 23 years old? Correct. Correct. And you have a sophomore slump. Like, I'm sorry, excuse me? No, you're right. Is you're he right. not allowed you're to have right. a down year? Did, did people figure him out? Did he? Is he still learning how to play against guys who are, 30 years old and have kids and no, have right. learned how to be adults. All good points. Okay. I, I think in a, in a perfect world, the, the Redskins trade down or the commanders trade down. They accumulate some picks. The other thing I would say is, again, I said, this is a, it's not loaded this draft with a lot of talent, but the one position that is absolutely stacked is offensive line. 
And I know you guys don't have a lot That's of good. picks, okay. but you guys can find some guys who can come in and compete and create competition and competition brings out the best in everybody. And just have depth. Yeah. That's, that's a great point by CT that um, if, if this is the draft that may be a little shallow at several other positions, if it's deep at O-line, maybe the commanders trade down and you have all of a sudden a low first round pick and a high second round pick from another team. And you're getting two top 30, 35 offensive linemen, which is exactly what think, Carson yeah. Wentz needs. And I you think know, Drake London might drop to that to that level in the twenties, possibly. You never know. You yeah, yeah, you could trade back and still get the guy that you wanted all along. So I mean, there there's a lot to be said in this draft. We're ten days out right now. I can't. I know. I know. I speak for all three of us. We cannot wait for the draft. And uh, you never know. I believe it was less than a week before the draft last year when the Niners like traded up to number three. There was all sorts of chaos. So a lot can still unfold. Um, but what's going to unfold is our final pick in this mock draft. And it is my Dallas Cowboys. I repeat, the defending NFC East champions. And my Dallas Cowboys with the number 56 overall pick select. Josh Paschal, edge rusher out of University of Kentucky. If you look at this guy's body, he does not look like a defensive end. He kind of looks like a defensive tackle. But he's 6'2", 6'3", about 260. But he's got like he's got some meat on his bones. Now I'm not talking like three percent body fat. This guy's rocked up. I'm talking about like this guy hangs out by Whataburger, just kind of crams cheese. <laughs> I like it. I like, like this it. guy's had like seven it. too many good day pizzas. I like it, and that, and that's fine. I told Brian this guy's catching hype late, but if you put on the tape, I see him rush from the three technique. I see him go head up in a five, four eye, whatever you want to call it, up and down the defensive line. This guy's done it. And I think Dan Quinn, who showed last season, figured out how to adjust his scheme with Micah Parsons from just a straight cover three to sending pressure, blitzing, not using four guys to get to the passer. This guy is another chess piece that you can kind of slide in, line him up in different positions, lining up Micah Parsons in different positions, even though I think there's a rumor that he's going to mainly play Micah, is going to play mainly defensive end. What I hear? This guy's going to give Dan Quinn just another piece to go with Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons to get after the quarterback. So let's just say Carson Wentz does kind of start hitting it off. How are you going to stop him? Jalen Hurts runs the football, dual threat guy. You got to get pressure. You got to shoot some gaps. You got to make him, you know, hand the ball off of that mesh point or the RPO game's going to have to change for Daniel Jones. This guy kind of brings that, that element to the table for that Cowboys defense. If I could, I might just draft Dan Quinn at number 56 overall. He was that much of an addition to the team last year and bringing him back is that important. But of course, this is a huge need. Smoke dog, good luck out in Denver. I already brought my feelings to the forefront on the freeze and frenzy. I'm very upset that he's gone and the way that he left. But we need edge help. If we put Micah Parsons in a pure pass rush position for 17 weeks, I think the kid's going to touch almost 20 sacks. But it doesn't matter. He might be needed elsewhere throughout the season. We need depth. I cannot depend on guys like Dorrance Armstrong and, and Dante Fowler to get 8, 10, 12 sacks a year. I think Pascal is a great addition, whether we take an edge rusher at, in the first, second, third, or fourth round. We need a couple of them. So I love this pick for my Cowboys. How about you, George? I mean, I like the guy. I'm 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 high on him, and I know Randy Gregory is high right now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I do believe in this guy out of Kentucky. I know he's beefed up on them burgers, bro, or on them good days pizza. But I like I like that. I think he's a fill in for Randy, and um, I I like honestly. I, the more and more we talk about this draft, guys, I, the more I learn I learn about these players, and the higher I am about this draft. Well, the high the higher I am about this draft too, man. This um. Just to be able to learn about guys a little bit like Trent McDuffie, Zion Johnson, Josh Pascal, guys who I've heard their names flash across the ticker on NFL Network, but I didn't have such an in-depth take on. It, uh, it's been a pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure. CT, thank you so much for your depth and wealth of knowledge this past hour. It was a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, I think I said this last year at some point on the pod for the draft special. The NFL sells hope. 
right now they're really selling hope because I don't want to get anybody <laughs> bummed out when I say that I'm not a fan of this draft class, but there's been plenty of draft classes where guys just don't pan out. But if your team knows what they're doing, the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, that's when you can kind of make your money. And every year you have those guys. They pop. They're late-round picks. I mean, Dak Prescott, what, fourth-round pick, yep. third-round pick? Russell Wilson, third-round pick. Uh, Doug Baldwin, who's one of my favorite receivers of all time, was undrafted. Richard Sherman, sixth-round pick. Like uh, Bobby Wagner was a second-round pick. Cam Chancellor was a fourth-round pick. Those guys, they pop. You got you to gotta do your homework. These guys have been working on drafting these players and evaluating these players since last year's draft. So even though I don't even though I don't think this draft's got a lot of first round grades, you play a lot of different formations, you play a lot of different roles on an NFL team, and sometimes you got to find those role players. I mean, if you want to draw back up to the NBA, sometimes you got that six man, who's your six man on your on your football team? Who's your slot guy? Who's your nickel corner? Who's your third safety? The, the those are the positions that can make or break your defense or make or break your offense. And the, the, the way COVID is, and I think it's COVID's ridiculous, but you, your guy tests positive, even though he's been vaccinated 17 times and <laughs> now he's out for a game. Well, now I'm putting my third guard in and I'm putting my yeah, tackle in, or I got to put in my backup edge rusher. Like some of these guys might get their opportunity to play because of that. And then they end up popping and they don't lose their position after that. Never forget, I will leave y'all with this, that half of this league is undrafted. So um, we love these these high draft picks, but a lot of your meat and potatoes is going to come after these rounds come and go. Any closing thoughts from you, George? No, man. I just want to say I really appreciate everybody lasting this long. It is an hour and five minutes in, and I think we honestly went through everything in detail. I really appreciate everybody's uh, time, B. Wills and CT, I, you know, I think we broke down pretty much every player in every position group that was needed amongst, you know, the Giants, the Eagles, the boys and, and my commanders. Dude, honestly, this might have one of the best draft specials we've ever done. This is by far the the biggest feast we've ever eaten. I couldn't be happier. Um, and as I echo your sentiments, George, thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned all summer long. We will do a team preview for all four teams, leading you right up to the 2023 season, which is right around the corner. We love y'all. NFC East. Peace. Peace.